The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Pick 6 Podcast, and this is Sunday Night Super Friends. That's Will Brinson. That's John Breach. I'm Ryan Wilson, and this is the Sunday Night Super Friends Week 14 NFL Recap 2023 edition. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on the old YouTube at NFL and CBS, and of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a show. All right, boys, you know the deal. Going to hit our top 10 takeaways from Week 14, and there is a lot to get to. The playoff picture continues to take shape, Breach. Are the Bills back? How worried should we be about the Chiefs and Lions and Jaguars? What Joe Flacco and Jake Browning did what now? And look, we've held off, but I think it's time to have a very serious conversation about the officials. Mm. We honestly haven't bellyached about the officials at all, which is something noteworthy for this podcast. But I, I mean, come on now. We'll talk about that when we get to the Chiefs in a second. But the conversation breach... Has Starts with God trying to take this podcast out with tornadoes. <laughs> I mean, God. Well, number one, if you're watching Breach for the second week in a row, it's in a hotel. Not for good reasons. Not for Jake Browning celebration reasons, Breach. I did not move into my hotel in Jacksonville. That is the most notable. I haven't been in Jacksonville for a full week. I went home. Tornado hit down in Hendersonville, Tennessee, where I live. All the electricity is gone in that city. And so I'm living in a hotel right now talking with these guys. And then also, we, had a tornado, we had a tornado touchdown in Raleigh. Uh, earlier today, no, it wasn't. wasn't I think I was right outside of the tornado watch or tornado warning. Uh, I appreciate zone. you taking Breach's plight and making it your own, but go. Well, Brinson's point was that, that, and producer Harry's not here either. Brinson's point is that we're being taken out one by one. So Wilson might want to drive slowly home with two hands on the wheel from the from the office. Is all I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to uh, producer Harry. Hope you get better. He's dealing with some stuff. I texted him today. Said I was going to be up in Connecticut, and he's like, "Well, I will not be there." Uh, so get well, Harry jokes on Debo. Cause Debo's back. Eagles lose, lose, lose from Debo tonight. We'll talk to him later. I'm sure if he is, uh, if he is done crying, but breach before we get to Debo's sadness, let's talk about the team that gave Debo his sadness, the Dallas Cowboys. And I want to apologize. I got a lot of apologies to get through, uh, over the next four or five weeks to Mike McCarthy. Cause <laughs> I didn't think Mike McCarthy was telling the truth when he said he took a year off and did the PFF tour and had a lot of introspection sitting by the lake, looking at the swans, but apparently breach. He did all those things. He might be the running for coach of the year. Dak Prescott is definitely the running for MVP. I'm sure breach uh, Brinson will tell us the odds momentarily. I would imagine he's the front runner. We know the 49ers are who the 49ers are, and we'll get to them in a second, 
But explain to me who is beating the Dallas Cowboys at home, who are now the number two seed in the NFC. Well, and that's the crazy thing is no one. I mean, they're not just undefeated at home. They're blowing everyone out. They're winning all of these games by double digits. And like you just said with Dak Prescott and the MVP talk, I think it's got to be absolutely real. Look, I'm not going to sit here and toot my horn and say I was the only person who had Dak Prescott as my preseason MVP at plus 2,500, but I was. And (laughs) this is why he looks so comfortable now running this offense. And I think a part of it, you know, we didn't see Brandon Cooks make very much many contributions at the beginning of the season. He's been kind of roping him. And Jake Ferguson had a big night, five catches, 72 yards. Michael Gallup, he's using all of his weapons, obviously, C.D. Lamb there. Uh, and that's what it takes. It, he is fully embracing Mike McCarthy's offense. And this team is just a thousand percent better than it was in October when they got railroaded by the 49ers. The Dallas Cowboys are now at home, seven and zero on the season. Do you know what their point differential is at home this year? It's in the millions. It's not that far away. It's plus one hundred and seventy-one points at home in That's seven bonkers. games. That is out. Outrageous. So you're talking about they're winning these home games by an average of 24.4 points per game. The only one that's been remotely close was the uh, Thursday night game last week against Seattle when both teams had that rest and uh, because they played on Thanksgiving. Dak is, in fact, the MVP favorite. Plus 175 now. Uh, I see over at DraftKings, they do a great job of updating those ASAP. Brock Purdy closely behind him at two to one. Lamar Jackson, four and a half to one. Jalen Hurts, five to one. And then Mahomes and Tua at 10 to one. Tyreek, 13. Christian McCaffrey, 20. Um, And I think that if you were, um, I think that if you were doing a, like, if you, I don't know, like, I think Lamar and Dak would be the two. Um, you know, the two guys that I would look at, like, I, I think, I think if, if Dak can get the one or the two seed, win the division, I think they probably have to win the division. Although with the Cowboys, I think you could possibly get away with, um, not winning the division maybe and, and Dak getting it because they're the Cowboys. Is that possible? No one, they don't win the MVP typically. So I don't know if that helps. I mean, breach has the rule about the Senate's rule. It's actually the way that league unfolds about the MVP has to win the division. Do you still hold by that breach? I mean, I would because who's going to get the number one seed if it's the 49ers? Brock Purdy is doing some absurd things statistically that we haven't seen in years. Uh, but is Dak going to get that love from playing for America's team? I don't think that's that crazy of a theory, Brinson. Uh, but I would say Brock Purdy, maybe the odds don't reflect that, would be his number one competition right now. I mean, he had a career day today that we'll talk about later. I feel like every week is a career day for Brock Purdy. Let me ask you this, Brinson, because this is something that um, – our buddy Joe Musso and I talked about uh, earlier this afternoon, this evening. Typically, there's a moment or moments in the Cowboys season where you go, yep, there's Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, and up there's Dak Prescott throwing stupid interceptions. We have seen none of that this year. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that their biggest gaffe, and Breach, you have a memory for these things, so you can correct me, was finding a way to lose that game in Week 9 to the Eagles, a game they probably should have won. But it feels like this team is hitting on all cylinders finally for Jerry Jones, and a big part of that's the defense falling out. But Dak Prescott has made very few mistakes. Mike McCarthy has reinvented himself as a play caller. Maybe Kellen Moore was the problem, (laughs) which is nuts to say. But 
are you concerned at all that there's some hiccup unforeseen in the Dallas Cowboys future that history might suggest is on its way? Because I don't see it. Brenton. Um, no, I mean, I don't think that. I think, no, I think, I think what, you know, you have to give credit to, I mean, they're at, they're, they're playing at the Bills next week. I wouldn't be surprised if they went into Buffalo and lost that game. You know, Buffalo looked uh, like a much different team coming out of their bye against Kansas City. We'll get to that in a minute. But, and then they're at the Dolphins. So that's, I mean, that's your hiccup, I guess, is having to go to Buffalo and then having to go to Miami. They haven't been great on the road. We're talking about, you know, three and three on the, on the season. They are six and two out of the division, um, three and two outdoors this season. And, you know, again, you look at the losses, though. They get stomped at San Francisco in that primetime game, and San Francisco just got up for that. San Francisco has made it very clear they want to dominate some of these uh, other, you know, like they, they dominated the Cowboys, they dominated the, the Eagles, wanted to send a statement to the rest of the division. The Cowboys lost that game at Philly as well, but that game could have easily been, um, you know, a Dallas win. Like that was a really close game. And then you have the at the Cardinals game that they lost where like they were just clearly, you know, coming off the the 70 point differential from the first two games, you know, looking to, looking to, you know, looking ahead past the Cardinals. So, I mean, I think all their losses, the the three losses sort of make sense from that perspective. So I don't think they're going to go in there and like stumble. I think they'll bring their a game. They just, they could go zero and two in those games just because they're difficult matchups against two quality teams. Although the the Dolphins haven't beaten anybody. Uh, Then you have the the lions at home and the commanders on the road to, uh, to close out. So, I think you can make a case that while they might not stumble, the Eagles get the Giants twice, the Cardinals once, and then the Seahawks uh, next week. So even if the Cowboys don't stumble per se, I still think you look at the Eagles and say they have a much better chance at winning the division. This is not a great loss, but they're 72% according to the upshot to win the NFC East, whereas the Cowboys uh, just 28%. And hey, that's Rick, like that. Just, feel different? Absolutely. They're playing with swagger. Like they expected to win this game. The Cowboys are usually the laughing stock of the country after they play a team with a winning record because they usually lose. <laughs> right. We saw it against the 49ers. They lost 42 to 10. We saw it when the Eagles game that Brinson mentioned, they lost 28 to 23. And this team is carrying themselves differently. They're confident. It, it, it's really crazy to see it. You see Dak in postgame saying the defense carried us. You see the defensive guys in postgame saying Dak and the offense carried us. Nobody's taking any of the credit. The kicker doesn't even do interviews, uh, who I want to mention real quick because he is the best weapon in the NFL right now. First kicker in NFL history to hit a multiple field goals of 59 yards or more in a game, hit the longest kick in the first quarter in NFL history ever with the 60-yarder. And to that point, that's another part of the Mike McCarthy analytical movement. There's a reason kickers have never hit a 60-yarder in the first quarter because that's a high-risk play. It's If you don't make it, the other team gets the ball. The other team gets the ball midfield, so you don't want to risk it. But McCarthy's saying, no, our kicker can hit this. I trust him enough in a big game to hit this, and I'm sure he'll do it again. So, that changes the way you think, the, the way you run your offense. Uh, so Brandon Aubrey is the weapon this year. You're getting you're yeah. getting choked up. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. You. Voice, yeah. Oh, listen, that, that, my voice. That hacking you were doing before the show makes a little more sense now that you're losing your voice. So, Look, well, I was just gonna say that I do think they're the they have a different aura <laughs> about them. The Cowboys do. Like they they are a much more confident team. The play calling. Look. Give Mike McCarthy credit. He said, screw it. 
I'm not rolling with Kellen Moore anymore. He any longer. He convinced Jerry Jones to let to let him push Kellen Moore aside and I take like the Kellen wheel. Moore any more better, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? Um, and uh, and 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 took the wheels in terms of the play calling, and he has been awesome. The play calling has been great. Dak has been fantastic in this West Coast or Texas Coast offense or whatever we're calling it. And you've seen CD Lamb has emerged as one of the I don't know. I mean, CD Lamb is one of the five best receivers in football right now, easily. Like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, and CD Lamb. Is that the that the group? Maybe uh, he's second in the NFL in receiving yards. Yeah, I mean, I think I think given like Jamar, you know, I, I don't know if Demi mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I think Justin Jefferson being banged up, uh, you can make a case CD Lamb's the best receiver in football. Like it wouldn't be that crazy. He has been awesome. Um, he is moves all over the place. He's physical. Jake Ferguson, as Breach points out, has broken out this year, and you, you just have like. An offensive line that's playing really well. The running game hadn't even been great, but Rico Dowdles uh, been a nice supplement to Tony Pollard, who hasn't really filled that you know explosive role that we thought we would get. It's a really good football team. Michael Gallup's playing well. Brandon Cooks coming on. I, there's no reason to believe they can't hang with anybody scoring wise. The defense is playing great football. Dan Quinn's awesome. Michael Parsons killing it. I mean, bull rush Lane Johnson into Jalen Hurts tonight. I think the one concern would be. Inevitably, when this team runs into San Francisco or Philadelphia in the playoffs, does Mike McCarthy? Like, yeah, we could. We'll get to that. I mean, let let them enjoy it. We we don't have to crap. Breach bot has brainwashed you guys. <laughs> don't Cowboys think that, are don't going think... to win the Super Bowl. There you we, go. I'm just saying we've seen. Yeah, these type have. of performances from Aaron Rodgers, Packers, Mike McCarthy teams before, and you get to the playoffs and they you tighten up and he gets conservative. No, you don't have time for that. It's, it's like that's it's week 14. <laughs> let, let him enjoy it. Let Breach enjoy his victory as the Breach Bot. I just want to say quickly, Breach, Aubrey, uh, Joe Musso did the math on this. 316 yards of kicking tonight through the goalposts. I don't that's, know where that ranks, but that's fun. Also, uh, less fun, uh, Debo, if you are composed, do you want to explain why the Eagles are where they are and if there's a fix, because I don't know if there is given the injuries and uh, on both sides of the ball, injuries, Jalen hurts, lack of a running game. And then your best players fumbling the ball is going to happen every week. But what are the biggest concerns for you? Is it the loss of the coordinators? Is it something else? What's going on? I'm going to take the optimistic approach. They're still going to win the division. Ooh, I think Look at the Bruce's NFL face. playoffs, the NFC playoffs is an easier stretch than the stretch that they've just had. You're That's talking a good point. About Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys. The playoffs would look like Packers, Lions, and then 49ers or Cowboys. I could very much see the Eagles hosting the Cowboys in the NFC Championship. What do you think about that? That would help their cause because you don't want to play, as Breach noted, you don't want to play in Dallas under any circumstances. But what's no, that, I mean, what's, why is this team different, though, Debo, between now and 12 months ago? I think it's it's the stretch. Like the Cowboys okay. had much more pop tonight. They had the hardest stretch in NFL history. They went three and two during it. They played teams, the two best teams, uh, on back to back ten days rest. I didn't think mm -hmm. they were tonight. Uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, I think, are a top three wide receiver duo in the league, and they looked like James Thrash and Todd Pinkston from the early 2000s tonight. Catching strays. Give Al Harris credit. Like, they obviously, I think, identified something and, and were punching at that ball. 
three fumbles as the Eagles were driving. The Cowboys. The, hard, the hardest stretch in NFL history. What are you talking about? I mean, that's, they, it's that a was, tough stretch. That's a, that's a stat. That's a you know that's that's been in the research. <laughs> who says that stat? That's in the research packets. Is that harder than what the Seahawks had to do at the Rams versus the Niners at the Cowboys versus the at the 49ers at versus the Eagles? Like coming up, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. All right, so Debo's not concerned. Brinson, uh, what's your level I mean, concern about concerns, the Seahawks? But there's, it's, it's not, you know, you're taking the optimistic, optimistically concerned approach, like I usually do. Yeah, like you usually do. So, I, Brinson, this team has gone from one to five. Are you at all concerned? Um, yes and no. Um, I think they'll win the division. I think they have the, the, the sort of, I don't know they played the they got the Giants twice left and the Cardinals. They're going to win the division. Okay. I mean, they're not playing good football despite Debo's optimism. They are. I think Pete Brisker used the word and like, I, I, I've heard, I've heard this. I think Adam Shine used this word on Friday. Um, I think I think the, the the word I would use is so I'm just going to use the word they've been you, using. You're building the suspense. I can't wobbly. Okay, well that's not where you want to be, December 11th. No, it's it? not where you want to be. You don't want to be wobbly in, on December 11th. But you've got four games to to get right. You win out, and you're going to be at worst the two seed. Um, I think they have a 23 percent chance to get the number one seed with the 49ers now at a 71% chance to get the number one seed. So that's going to make life tough. You're going to have to go to San Francisco, but you can go do it. I, I, I think if the Eagles, it wouldn't shock me if the Eagles played their best football and went back to the Super Bowl. I also think because they've been wobbly, because Jalen Hurts is banged up, because you have guys on the defensive line, like the Cowboys are healthy at the right time. It feels like the 49ers got it, like lost their, they, they had their wobbles with those three games and the injuries uh, in, in early, you know, like earlier in the season and then got healthy. And now the Eagles are dealing with that. And so you just sort of wonder like if something happens to Lane Johnson and he has some time. In the, I don't know. Like I, I'm concerned, but this team is going to the playoffs and nobody wants to play them. Breach, how do you feel about the Eagles right now? Just uh, good feeling choice, reaction. If I had a choice and I had to play the Cowboys or the Eagles in the playoffs right now, I would welcome I would fly the Eagles to my city yeah. to play them. The Eagles defense is playing a lot worse than the Cowboys defense. You know what's funny? So earlier today, the fourth seed is Tampa Bay, which is funny in and of itself, but they would have had to play the Cowboys. Todd Bowles does not want that. As soon as the game's in tonight, I said exactly what you said, Breach. I would imagine the, the Tampa Bay would welcome having Philadelphia come into Tampa Bay knowing they have a, a puncher's chance. You don't have a chance against the Cowboys, Tampa Bay, or where you play on the moon. That game you're losing by a lot of points. So I, 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 I think mean, you're right you, there. I mean, you can beat the Cowboys. By myself? I don't think <laughs> On so. the road. I appreciate your faith in me. Debo is doing a terrible time with clock management, unlike Harry. So I'm going to move on. Jeez. Unless Debo's, Debo's hitting the button in some room that we're not in. Uh Debo's Debo emotionally broken right I know. now. Did you Get not watch that composed. game? Let's stop talking about it so that Debo can mentally recover. Get your mind right. Do your job. I should yell at Debo like Patrick Mahomes yelled at the official at the end of that game. Uh, we're going to talk about the Kansas City game next because I – so the 4th and 15 play ended it. Kansas City was trying to make that drive. Uh, got the 4th and 15. The reason they had 4th and 15 because in the previous play, it was a fantastic throw to Kelsey. Kelsey made a great throw lateral. 20-yard throw in the air to Kadarius Tony, scored a touchdown, would have put them up. 
with less than a minute to go over the Bills, except Kadarius Tony was between four and five inches offsides. Now, uh, in the post game, it does, what what is uh, I mean. I would suggest he was a little more than four or five inches. Well, the, the neutral zone is the neutral zone. So can... The neutral zone is the length of the football. Okay, Once his foot was at... in the blue line, right? I think no, the neutral zone, so the, the only person allowed in the neutral zone is the center who can put his hand in there. I'm just I'm just putting, I'm not telling you. I'm just I understand, here. but I let me get to the point and then we can talk about it, whether he was a lot or a little. Here's the point that Patrick Mahomes was, was making. He's been in the league since 2017. He has never seen offensive offsides called. He said in the post-game interview that typically, and we see it all the time, receivers look to the official on the side, point at him. He says, okay, or back up. The official didn't do anything. We'll have to see if there was any conversation between Kadarius Tony and that official. And Patrick Mahomes was livid. I've actually never seen him that angry uh, during a game. I'm sure he's been that mad at his brother before for some TikTok nonsense, but we haven't seen that either. So he was fired up during the game. In fact, they had to hold him back from killing the official uh, before the fourth and 15 play. He was angry after the game, and there was some audio caught in the middle of the field when he went to shake hands with Josh Allen. It looked like on the outside looking in the Josh Allen said, hey, man, I'm sorry we had to win that way. Josh Allen didn't say anything, it turns out. And Patrick Mahomes said, that was a BS call. Offensive offsides never called, which is a weird thing. You're muted, which is a weird thing uh, to, to even bring up to Josh Allen. It's not his fault. But um, Brent, I, think, I'll, I'll, I think Josh Allen actually brought it up first. Not according to the audio I heard, but it, it, either way, the point is this. What do we make of this Chiefs team? And I like Patrick Mahomes's edge there but some people thought it rubbed them the wrong way so where are you at on those two things i so i thought that patrick mahomes i love patrick mahomes i love andy reed i think they're two of the best competitors and the most engaging talents at their respective positions and you love their state farm commercials i'm a little tired of state farm commercials okay um there's many things about mahomes that are weird and annoying but as a football player and as like a personality, I think he's fantastic. Andy Reid is like one, of, maybe my favorite coach of all time. I mean, he's just engaging, gregarious, entertaining. Like his offensive schemes are awesome. I thought they kind of looked like a couple of, I don't know, like you, you want some cheese with that wine, guys? Like, dude, Canarius Tony was blatantly offsides. And I will read this from uh, our colleague, Gene Sterator, who wrote this on x.com when officiating the line of scrimmage general philosophy is not to be overly technical and split hairs over very minor infractions such as a receiver's hand slightly breaking the line of scrimmage however when an infraction is so egregious and obvious bold a flag has to be thrown Kadarius tony is bold blatantly lined up offside in the neutral zone you rarely see an offsides penalty on the offense but that is not because this play in buffalo kansas city isn't a foul bold it is because a receiver rarely lines up off sides. Kadarius Tony is like even with Bills players almost. Now there was some debate about whether he looked at the official as if to say, "Am I on or off?" Um, you can see him turn to the right. I think he's probably looking at Patrick Mahomes, waiting for him to snap it. Not 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 checking with the official. Um, we saw Tracy Wolfson uh, note that he he did look. He's just he's just in the neutral zone, and. I thought it was closer than that, but I, I, whatever, I can't, I mean, I can't change time. So it doesn't matter. I, I think it's one of those things. And the other thing is, does it affect the play? No. Why are we getting involved? This is the first example of this. And I don't have any dog in this fight, but again, like on Thursday night, the Steelers, the, the long snapper breach on, on the extra point, 
Technically, was that a penalty? Maybe. I don't know. It, it didn't affect the game in that sense. But why are we wasting time calling these plays and mucking up a game that people enjoy watching, not for the officials, but before? That was one of the most insane plays we saw all season. And it's, it's not it doesn't I, I think, count. Go ahead. My personal issue is that why is this the call that you are going totally crazy for, as Briggs had mentioned, it, it was clearly a penalty. Like we can argue about whether the officials are calling this regularly, but he was offside. So you can't argue the fact that the official threw the flag. When they played the Packers on Sunday, there was one of those blatant interference calls at the end of that game where the Chiefs receiver got interfered with. There was no flag. If you're Kansas City, that's when you go crazy. That's when you yell at everyone. That's when you threaten to fight people so that the NFL can say, oh, we blew that call. We screwed over Patrick Mahomes. NFL's not having that reaction tonight. They're laughing themselves like, ah, our rep got this right, and now Mahomes looks silly. So it just blows my mind, and maybe it's frustration for them boiling over that they've now lost two games on controversial officiating calls, but one was correct. Blatant? Sorry to interrupt you, Breach. If you're watching on YouTube, there's the, this foot's in the blue line. It's not like his foot is – like he's but, not on the no, bill. I mean, like, no, but look, look. The, the neutral zone is where – like he is – his the, the front of his foot is in front of the football. Like the neutral zone is the football, and his he is he has crossed the neutral zone into like the bill's neutral zone territory. I don't see that, but I mean, it doesn't matter. The flag was called, but it, it doesn't seem blatant to me. I get I that. Mean, offsides. It doesn't matter if it's blatant. I mean, you agree he's offsides? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, that's I mean, it. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, so here's, here's Carl Treffers asked by the pool reporter, Matt Derrick, uh, following the game. Um, it's like, you know, walk us through that officiating, what the officiating crew saw and how that play was flagged. Yeah, sure. It's one of those things we don't want to be overly technical on, but when in his alignment, he's lined up over the ball. That's something that we're going to call as offensive offside. So that's what he, the down judge saw. He saw that the alignment was over the ball and that's what he ruled on the field. That's what he called. Um, they mentioned Andy Reid. Yes. Ultimately, if they look for alignment advice, certainly we're going to give it to them, but ultimately they are responsible for wherever they line up. And certainly no warning is required, especially if they're lined up far, so far off sides where they're actually blocking our view of the ball. So we would give them some sort of a warning if it was anywhere close, but this particular one is beyond a warning. I, I mean, look, it's fine. look, man, you can't rewrite history. And Kadarius Tony has had some knuckleheaded. He had a drop in this game. I, I mean, it's not like he's Travis Kelsey making this play. It's a guy who's has a history of doing stuff that it doesn't help his football team. It's, I'm just at the point where I, I'm tired of seeing them interfere. This this did not affect the play. And, and real quick, if for, if for some reason someone listening did not watch this game, it was a 51-yard touchdown pass with just over a minute left where Travis Kelsey caught it, then laddled it to Kadarius Sony. Travis Kelsey was 25 yards downfield. Strike, strike for the lateral. Like Perfect an absolute pass. spiral. And Tony goes in for the touchdown. And All right. I'll call back because let, let me ask let me ask you this. So I, I do you think that because last week the the Chiefs lost to the Packers. So I, I okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement, then I'm gonna ask a question. I think that in the last two weeks, the Chiefs have been involved in close games where they had a, a pass interference call that should have been called. The NFL has acknowledged that it should have been called. Now, were the were the Chiefs holding on that play? I think so, but that's you know again subjective, uh, just like the pass interference call. This week, you have that touchdown. You think you're probably going to win the game, or at least have take the lead, and this happens. I think that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes 
are boiling over in frustration in a way that we have never seen from them ever. And you rarely see from like high level NFL coaches and high level NFL quarterbacks out of a realization that as good as they are at their jobs and as good as Travis Kelsey is at his job and as good as the defense has played that they are currently only one game up on Denver for the division, which is wild. And that they are going to have a really, really, really hard time of making the of forcing the playoffs to go through Arrowhead Stadium, which it's oh. done for the last four years. And well, I think that's not that, going through Arrowhead. I mean, they, that, that's well, but, I, but, I was, but that's part of that's part of I think that's part of the frustration here from these guys, not necessarily on this one play. I also think it's a little odd that we saw them f- melt down this week versus last week. And I, I would suggest do, let me ask you this. Do you think this is the question? Do you think that? <laughs> Thanks for letting me know that I can. Well, I, was, I mean, uh, um, do you th- what's the question? Do you think that because of what happened with the play, that the outrage was more aggressive than it would have than than if it had been like an incomplete pass? You see, what I'm saying like last week it was like incomplete pass, pass interference. Yeah. Um, and then now this week it's. You know, a crazy lateral play. Yeah. I don't think Andy Reid was showing much emotion. I think Patrick was pissed off about the way the play ended because it had no effect on it. That was my take on it. I don't think they care about the Denver Broncos. I think they are frustrated with the way the offense isn't working. That's my take, Breach. Yeah, and I think to that point, though, that the Chiefs in the years past, they knew they were good enough to overcome little losses like this or little mistakes. But now they've lost, what, four of their past six? I mean, four. That's right. It's a big number, and so it, it makes it really feel like the Chiefs aren't invincible. They can't just pull something magic out of their hat, pull a rabbit out of their ear, uh, and beat other teams. And so now they're getting genuinely frustrated because, hey, we can't just go out there and win games. We need these calls to go our way. Uh, so it's just interesting to see their personality change. And they're, they're one in three since they're by. That's not good. Andy Reid, not off not the bye. Well, you can't. Their only win is against the Raiders, who are not a very good team and below five hundred. Their losses uh, are they they the lost Raiders? three to nothing today. They're they're doing better. I'm kidding. It's a joke. They're terrible. Uh, I was like, what? Um, yeah, I was like, wait, the Raiders are the Raiders are bad. I mean, the Raiders are five and seven. They're they're not like a terrible football team, but I mean, they they've lost to three. You you've you've lost to the Eagles, the team that you played in the Super Bowl last year that you you had down the ropes. You beat the Raiders. You lose at the Packers, which is just a, a tough one uh, in in tough in, in, in a tough fashion. And then you lose at home against the Bills in, in a game where you were pretty desperate to try to get to nine uh, nine and nine and four, right, and have an opportunity to stay alive in this AFC number the race for the number one seed. Yep, and uh, it's not great. A lot of it, I, I think, is frustration, as we talked about, with the way the offense isn't working like it has historically. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. But before we do, uh, I'll just say, before we do this, uh, huge win for, for Sean McDermott, who had a tough week. So shout out to Sean McDermott. So uh, NBA Nation, ball in the locker room. I don't know if you saw that. Ty Dunn should write a story every week about Sean McDermott. This team is definitely winning the Super Bowl because they rallied around him. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk a little bit more about the Bills when we get to the AFC playoff picture because that was a huge win for them. And Josh Allen was cooking like he was Russ Wilson three years ago. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about those Buffalo Bills. Are they back or not? Because somebody on this podcast said they were a playoff team last week, and two other people laughed at that one person. We'll find out who right after this. 
You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. We are back. Brenton has left the building. He does not want to face the music about breaches breach bot 2000 with the Cowboys. I was all over the bills. I said, don't sleep on the bills. I didn't know the Titan article was coming out to motivate that group. Um, but it feels like breach. Ken Dorsey's departure has allowed Josh Allen to be more Josh Allen. And I think what you have to understand about Josh Allen is he's going to turn the ball over. It does not matter. He'll have 1.5 turnovers a game, but he'll have 4.5 touchdowns through the air or with his legs. And this team's schedule is incredibly tough, but this was probably the toughest test they have. I think they have Dallas next, so that'll be a test, but that's at home in Buffalo, if I recall correctly. And then they finish at Miami, and as you and Brenton like to say, well, it's week 17. They might be sitting everyone in Miami, so maybe no one plays. Maybe you face Mike White. This team feels like it's making the playoffs breach. Yeah, I mean, this team looks driven. They they went out there, and I would say within the – by the end of the first quarter, it just really felt like they were going to win the game. I, I Like, they just looked possessed. And that doesn't mean they dominated all four quarters. It just was one of those games until uh, Josh Allen threw an interception that Wilson just mentioned and let Kansas City back in the game. But, yeah, I, I do feel like this is a playoff team. Wilson, you've talked me into it, even though they do have the Cowboys next week. And then all winnable games. Wilson's the guy talking to people into the Bills being in the playoffs. Wilson hates the Bills. Oh, why do you say that? You complain. You've been complaining about the Bills for like two years now. Give me one or ten examples. Thank you. you. Always, I'm like the Bills are dead. You guys are always like. By the way, Breach, it looks like you're wearing a black turtleneck. Is that he true? put on a he put on his Procus thing? He's good. No, um, <clears throat> keeps me warm. Like no, I feel like I feel like you. I feel like you're always sort of anti-Bills just in terms of... Last week I wasn't, and you were. Don't try to turn the tables. Own it. I I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I'm driving the Bills. Brinson, we're talking about after the Week 13 podcast, Wilson was the only one who picked the Bills in the AFC playoff picture. You guys laughed at me because of their tough schedule. I knew the Ty Dunn article was coming out. You guys didn't, so that's a little insider information. (laughs) I I do think it's... I do think... You know what's interesting about the Ty Dunn article is that... And uh, love Ty Dunn. Great dude. Um... I think Sean McDermott would like a word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's interesting is that obviously you had the stuff, the, the New York 9-11 stuff, right? I mean, that's, that was the, that was the thing that it got focused on. Um, That was not even the top 10 craziest things in that 20,000 word story. My mind. (laughs) Right. Three part story. It's insanely long. Talked to 25 people from the Buffalo Bills organization. I thought what was interesting was that, it sort of lost in the whole discussion of it was that against McDermott's sort of wishes in 2020 or 2021, Brian Dable literally said, F it. We're going to be us. We're going to play our game and just cut Josh Allen and the offense loose. And I think you've seen that from Joe Brady the last few weeks, Joe Brady has, what Germany's best interest is letting Josh Allen win games for them. Now I thought Allen could have, I I thought they sort of pulled back the reins a little bit in this game after they got up 14, nothing in the second quarter and Kansas City's defense tightened up. They did a great job of smothering Stefan Diggs. You know, he finished with 
11 targets, four catches, 24 yards. I mean, that's nothing. Uh, they really focused on passing out of the backfield. Josh Allen ran the ball 10 times in this game. If you look at Josh Allen's, uh, I think Josh Allen rushing uh, rushing attempts props for next week are a good look. He's been running the ball a lot more the last couple of weeks. And I think that's going to be sort of the, the protocol for the Bills moving forward. Um, there's just, you know, they know that they, like he had, no games before last week with a rushing with more than uh, eight rushing attempts. He had nine rushing attempts last week, 10 rushing attempts this week. I think that's going to be the standard going forward for Josh Allen is running the football a lot, willing to just say, I almost, oh my God, I almost said it, really say F it, put his, put his, put his body on the line and just let the offense go. And I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I don't think the Bills are going to be back and they're going to be, uh, Definitely a playoff contender, probably win the Super Bowl. I think I think that I think that tie down article might be the best thing to happen to the Bills season, honestly. So, Breach, what I've learned is that Brentson agrees with me and he's stealing my talking points. Uh <laughs> give us something quick on the Bills and we'll we'll get to getting. I agree with you guys. I'm 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 all in here. Look, if Josh Allen is unleashed and cuts down on the turnovers, I mean that's really been the story of his career. When he turns them over multiple times, they lose. When he doesn't, they win. And so it's like, all right, Josh, you get one free pass. You can fumble it once, throw an interception once. You just can't do it twice. And he played smart football. And I will say the Bills' defense looked really good. We've talked all season about the injuries and how beat up they've been. This was probably their best game since suffering those big injuries. Yeah, a huge win. Great job for them. Uh, Also a team that's uh, stacking wins, as the kids say. Baltimore Ravens. AFC North, last time I checked, had three teams. Yes, three teams in the play, in playoff bubble. The one that's outside the playoff bubble is the second-best team in the division breach. It's Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk about them in a moment. <laughs> uh, but a huge win. One of the conversations we had early in the season, the Ravens have only lost three games, was that the Ravens play down to their opposition. Um the Rams are a good football team. That's been Brinson's team all year. He's he's finally got one right with Matthew Stafford and the, the Rams resurgence with, with Sean McVay. Great They've time. crushed the draft picks, which is nuts because they don't typically draft players. But Breach, Lamar Jackson quietly in the MVP race. Odell Beckham was acting like it was 2015 today. Zay Flowers had some drops early, came back, made some huge plays late, and that defense has been opportunistic and been getting after it. Is yeah, I mean, anyone, here's the question, anyone in the AFC going to beat this team? Maybe I feel like the Rams, if anything, maybe put the blueprint out there that you can beat this team. I was surprised how well Los Angeles did offensively. Yeah, I didn't expect Karen Williams to go out there and rush for over 100 yards and Stafford to throw for almost 300 yards. So, I mean, if Lamar Jackson didn't play lights out, the Rams win. So do you need that Superman Lamar performance to win? Uh, They hadn't earlier this season because the defense played so well. So. I was just surprised at how much their defense struggled this game at home in the rain where Stafford generally struggles. I, I think was, Stafford's uh, quickly, uh, Brenton Stafford actually, and you've been saying this, so I'll give you your flowers. I think <laughs> that's how you're supposed to say it. He's been balling out and a lot of credit to him. Awesome. I, I was not surprised that they were able to play that well offensively. Yeah, I'm not either. When Stafford's healthy, the Rams are a good football team. Um, Kieran Williams running the ball really well. Cooper Cup, eight targets, 100 or eight catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he looks like he's back. 
if, if Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua are both healthy and fully operational, this offense can do damage. And they have Aaron Donald. So, like, they can, you know, Lamar Jackson now 19 1 against the NFC. Insane stat. Didn't cover in this game. It required a walk off uh, punt. <laughs> return touchdown in overtime to win to win the game i thought to me the biggest story in this game in particular were odell beckham and isaiah likely and additionally zay flowers but he's been good all year stepping up with mark andrews going down for the season and sort of like all right who's going to be the vertical threat here now the touchdown the 54 yard touchdown that isaiah likely had in the in the first quarter was I mean he could not have been more wide open like it was a as a freebie the Beckham one was a bomb from Lamar I just sort of wonder if if you're the Ravens and you're nine and or ten are they ten and three now yep ten and three they have been dominating in the AFC they're two two they got a loss to the Colts by three points a one score loss to the Steelers on the road. And a two-point loss to the Browns, a team that they split with in the division with like a really good defense. There's not really much to nitpick. They swept the Bengals. There's just not much to nitpick here. They're going to have the Steelers in Week 18. They have the Dolphins and the Jaguars. I think they'll probably beat the Jaguars, even though it's in Jacksonville next week. Trevor Lawrence banged up. I think they'll beat the Dolphins at home. Their their schedule down the stretch is tough. At Jacksonville at San Francisco, Miami at home, and the Steelers at home. That's not easy. Like If you go two and two there, that's a pretty good effort. I think they'll probably go three and one. I think they'll get the one seed. What fascinates me the most, though, is what we saw coming out of the bye with no Mark Andrews was an explosive, not 2019 style quite, but a, a much more explosive Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, ran the ball 11 times for 70 yards. Credit to Jason Lockenfora. He wrote about this on sportsline.com. He took the over on Lamar's rushing attempts and rushing yards, noting that Lamar has always ramped up his rushing in December when it you know gets a little tougher to win these games. You sort of wonder, this offense has kept Lamar from running the ball a bunch this year. Now you say, okay, we've made it to December. We're 10-3. and three. We are on track for the one seed. Lamar's doing a much better job of sliding and avoiding contact even than he, and he was good at it before. But he's doing a great job of it now. I think Todd Munkin is really going to start incorporating a lot of these Lamar-designed runs, and some of these runs are scrambles, but I think he's going to start incorporating more rushing points, point of emphasis on rushing for Lamar moving forward in December and in the playoffs because he's healthy, he hasn't been taking these hits, and you can really unleash the full weapon that is Lamar Jackson. I, I think the Ravens, I mean, I would probably, I mean, Ravens making the Super Bowl wouldn't be a surprise at all. Ravens control their own destiny in the AFC, and I think that is playing out in real time. Uh, before we take a quick break, Breach, you talked about the 49ers uh, being basically unstoppable uh, starting the conversation with Brock Purdy. Um, it's funny to think that Brock Purdy might be the fifth best player on that team, depending on where you start. It could be even lower than that if you're ranking guys. But Baltimore is doing great things in the AFC. I don't know if there's a team in the galaxy that can beat the 49ers when they're fully healthy. Where are you on San Francisco beyond? Uh, how do you slow down San Francisco, or are they a healthy team that just wins it all and it feels like it's not even close? I mean, <clears throat> I don't think you're too far from the truth. They're 17-0 when Brock Birdie, Christian McCaffrey, and Debo Samuel are all fully healthy. And there's just so many weapons. I mean, look, you look at their losses. It's because they were missing Trent Williams or Debo Samuel or both of them. 
And so, I, and they could have won two. The, they could have won two of those games pretty easily too. I mean, the only game they really got hammered was, was what the Bengals. Was the Bengals, but they were missing Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. So, so to Ryan's point, those guys all got healthy out out of the bye. And since the bye, they're five and zero, and they've won every single one of those games by at least twelve points. So they're just steamrolling everyone, and that's kind of what they did last season, where they got hot and they won double digit consecutive games to close the season. And played well until Brock Purdy got injured. So, yeah, I feel like the 49ers, after watching what the Cowboys did to the Eagles, it feels like the 49ers are the top team in the NFC, Cowboys number two, and then you have everyone let me, else. Let me ask out. you this, though. The, the space between one and two, or is it bigger between like <clears throat> two and everyone else? Like, it feels like there's a huge gap between San Francisco and everyone else. Um, they beat the Cowboys 42 to 10. So, they beat the Cowboys. It's, it's, they, they stuck. I mean, the 49ers are right. So, I mean, the, the four, the three best teams in the NFC, all due respect to nine and four Detroit, who I think is a really good team. But I, you know, I think mm -hmm. well, we just seen a bigger upside from the, the, the four, 49ers beat the Eagles 42 to 19, and they beat the Cowboys 42 to 10. Like, that is a statement flex on your division opponents. Something that I think you remember coming into. The following, like, like when you get into the playoffs, you are, you think about that and you go back and think about what happened. And this is the thing last year where teams would play the 49ers and lose the next week because the 49ers are so physical. Cowboys play the 49ers, get stomped on Sunday night football, barely go and beat the Chargers by three points. Eagles get stomped by the 49ers, go to Dallas and get stomped again and look just like a lesser team and look tired. I think, I think San Francisco is the best team in football by a wide margin if everyone is healthy. Uh, I was on Kevin Clark's podcast. This is football. Is it? This is football. I think it's this is football. And um, over at ESPN last week, and we like did an impromptu draft of 49ers players. Like if you're doing a, like it's an expansion draft. How, like like who do you protect? And and Brock Purdy threw the ball downfield today really well. That throw to Debo Samuel was a seed, man. But I Brock Purdy's like the fifth guy that you're protecting. Yeah, that's what I just said. I know, so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. No, I'm, I'm just reiterating, and that's not even counting Fred Warner and some. No, guys no, I, was, oh, I think it's like it's like Trent Williams might be one. Well, Deep. I think I'm probably taking Debo first. Musso talked me into that. I was. Oh trying, no, I'm taking Trent Williams. Every trying day. to sell myself on on Brandon Ayuk. Uh, worth noting before we take a quick break here and try to get through the rest of this thing because Debo is asleep at the wheel breach. It's like he's. He ain't even paying attention. He's like the bus driver at the San Francisco Super Bowl when we almost died. <laughs> I, I, Debo did, did post the, the the Chiefs Bills uh, uh, screenshot of the of the blatant penalty that I DM'd him. And said, he was trying to take this. his mind off of the Eagles. No, I, I, said, I said, please post this. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, Breach, you sort of glossed over it, but I think it's worth reiterating. Since the bye, the 49ers are 5-0, and and their smallest margin of victory was plus 12, and that was on Sunday in a game they thoroughly – dismantled the opponent so that's how well they're playing and again if they're healthy god bless you every week we seem to be proven wrong but i don't know what has to happen for them to to start playing like they did when they were hit that 0 three stretch when guys were injured all right let's have a quick break when we come back i'm gonna get breached the floor again because the afc north is heating up and it ain't because of the steelers it's because of some dude named jake browning some other dude named joe Flacco. we're gonna talk about those two teams right after this all right, boys. I don't want to talk about the playoff implications because we'll get to that in, in a moment. But I do want to talk about these two teams and preach. I'll let you start because you're Jake Browning's. First of all, I was thinking about you earlier because we had the emergency podcast when Joe Burrow got hurt. 
and you and I'll I'll take partial blame. We were yelling and screaming about how the Bengals were so unprepared in the summer, knowing that Joe Burrow's injury history, they didn't do a better job of having a backup ready to go. And it turns out we owe Jake Browning an apology because he has been lights out. I want you to talk about Jake Browning and then tell me specifically, have you ever seen one have a hand cramp and go to the locker room to get fluids? He said he didn't drink enough water after the game. Is Joe I- Burrow a system quarterback? I have seen a hand cramp because I've had one. You guys never had it where your thumb stretches out that it gets stuck in place. What, you... uh, what, were, what were you doing when you got that hand cramp, buddy? Brent, that's none of your business. Uh, <laughs> high-fiving a lot of people. That's how it happens. It's, you're not gripping anything. Um, hey, chat, what do you think? What, what does the chat think Breach was doing to get a hand cramp? Stop it. Uh, wrong, wrong answers only. Throwing Brinson sucks hats to all my neighbors. <laughs> hey, pull up your pants. I don't even know what buttons I pressed anymore. I hadn't used them in so long. Here's the thing with Jake Browning, though, is that, yeah, it, it, no one saw this coming. And now we we always say, with Zach Taylor, is he a good coach? Zach Taylor, I feel like, as the past three games, has been a better coach than he's been maybe ever in Cincinnati. Yeah. These game plans are so meticulously planned to what Browning can do, taking advantage of all Browning's strengths. I mean, hey, let's throw 60% of the screens here. Uh, okay, that's working. Chase Brown scoring 54-yard touchdowns on these short passes. And then the teams are saying, all right, well, we got to stop the short game now. But Browning's still good enough to go deep. It's not like he's Tim Boyle out there. And we saw T. Higgins have a huge catch on a deep pass. So Jake Browning can make all the throws. And, and so three weeks ago, if you would ask me if the Bengals can make the playoffs, I would have prayed and said maybe 5%. But now you look at the rest of the AFC, and I genuinely feel like they could give a game with any team, and they're good enough to get to the divisional round, maybe the conference title game. I don't think Jake could carry them to the Super Bowl, but I do think they could absolutely win a playoff game with Browning. I, I could not be more impressed with him, and I, I will apologize that you wouldn't do it out loud, Breach, for, for the both of us, for not having faith in Jake Browning. Brinson, I'll ask you about the Joe Flacco experience, because that has been awesome to watch, too. Uh, I keep coming. We talked about this last week. I'm sure the Jets are like, yeah, maybe we should have thought about Joe Flacco. Although Zach Wilson had his best game of his professional career today. Uh, where are you on Joe Flacco? And it's that this team feels like a playoff team as well. They're currently on the inside looking out of the playoff bubble. Yeah. Brown's at eight and five, 85% to get in the playoffs. I mean, I, when I said that I didn't think the Browns would make the playoffs, that was largely predicted on Trevor Lawrence, not, nearly shattering his ankle and having to play on a busted ankle against own the Browns. Got to own it. Insane. What, me or Trevor Lawrence? Both. Well, I was also Trevor Lawrence doesn't that, play defense, Brent. He didn't give up three touchdown passes to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. I was going to add that it was also predicated on the fact that Joe Flacco wasn't going to throw to go 26 of 45 for 311 yards and three touchdowns in a December game in Cleveland against the division-leading Jaguars, who, by the way, whose defense has not been very good, especially when the run game doesn't really get going. David Njoku, six catches, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Flacco was awesome. I you know, I don't know that this is something that we're going to see continue. Why? Um, I don't, I, he's Joe looked, Flacco. He's old as crap. Two games, he's looked as great as you could expect Joe Flacco to look times 10. They could have been and it's almost January. His nickname is January Joe. He's not getting worse. You know, the only game he gets is at the Bengals, maybe for the Bengals playoff lives in January. 
Only think January gave me guess. He's uh, a huge uh, upgrade over DTR. He's a huge upgrade yeah. over Patrick yeah. uh, Walker, PJ Walker. Great signing. Great, he's a great signing. He's well, been, he's been, why are you trying to talk yourself out of him? Because he's old ass Joe Flacco, dude. Like, like the Jaguars' defense is terrible. He was drafted the draft class before your Matthew Stafford. Good point. But no, the no, Browns right. have such a strong roster after, they just need Stafford, a kick. Right. The Browns should be the smart caretaker who doesn't make mistakes because the rest of their roster is so good, and that's what Flacco gives them. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and the, the, the defense has been been great. I mean, Miles Garrett on the back end, the, they're getting some secondary guys back, and Joku went off today. I think there's, there's reasons for optimism in Cleveland for the first time since Kelly Holcomb was there since then, but that you get my point. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look, Joe Flacco is looking like a – Kevin Stefanski's done a great job – the last two weeks, scheming up stuff to make life easy for Joe Flacco. I don't think that's I, I. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think it's easier for Stefanski to coach Flacco than it was to coach DTR and PG. Uh, P, oh, uh, I think yeah, hundred percent. Because Flacco, Joe Flacco is basically more statuesque, stronger armed, statuesque. I love Case that. Keenum. You know, it's funny. I uh, I got. My Twitter got locked out for reasons that I don't need to go into, but I was just checking to make sure I didn't same get reasons, hacked. Same reasons Breach's hand is cramping? <laughs> uh, those were the reasons. But I was checking to make sure I didn't get hacked, and an old tweet popped up when the Broncos signed Flacco and Case Keenum, and I made the joke on Twitter, uh, whoever the coach was at the time, wanted a tall and a small Case Keenum. So that's oh, it. There you go. Remember that? Remember that time? Remember that time that when he was I with know. Denver and I talked, I talked to you to like believe the Broncos were winning the division with Joe Flacco? Calling the flag on that yeah. soccer room. All right, so let's let's yeah, fun to watch. We'll right, talk about over the over under two and a half AFC North teams who make the playoffs. Let's uh, think it to yourself. Write it down, and we'll talk about it in a couple minutes. Uh, Debo is Yolo Deboing it up. He says go for three hours. So uh, people in the chat, you, you've asked for this for fourteen weeks. You're gonna get it. Okay, so that's right. That's right, folks. Debo is authorized. Brents and tangents. That's right. We have what is. Breach, Breach has nothing. Breach has, Breach has his own hotel room. He has nowhere to go. Wilson is in a soccer haven, and I've got a bunch of sugar. My God. Hey, Debo, we're going to have a, a long conversation. I called my calls with Debo LME conversations uh, for Luis Miguel Escherai. He would always call Debo about particulars about the podcast. Debo, set aside some time tomorrow. All right, here we go. Next up, uh, Breach. I would say you're probably the most positive person on this podcast. Brinson, you and I are probably battling for the other side of the spectrum. So knowing that, let's start with the positive. We're going to go with the, the Broncos-Chargers game. Breach, you talk up the Broncos, and I'll let Brinson skewer uh, Brandon Staley. And, Speaking uh, of the Chargers, who's your favorite NFL mascot? <laughs> What's that for? Brinson, do you want the Broncos? Will that make you feel better? What's that? Do I, no, go ahead, Breach. The Broncos are good. It, they are look, good. I think everyone, the thing about Russell Wilson, we watch him play and he's not, he doesn't look as magical as he did with the Seahawks. <laughs> he does just enough. It's the defense is pulling the wagon and Russ is back at the back, just kind of shoving it. And, you, yeah. you know, it, it's Keep moving it a couple road. inches and that's all you need here. I mean, all you need is Russell Wilson not to make mistakes because the defense has been playing so well. And, that's what he's doing. He's playing lights out. And and everybody, I mean, every throw he makes to Cortland Sutton is a highlight. It's a, they have an unbelievable chemistry. And with that, Sean Payton's got to love that. He's thinking, this is what I used to do in New Orleans. This is what I wanted the whole time. This is what Nathaniel Hackett wanted last year. And so 
man, I, I think the Broncos are a threat to make the playoffs. But again, we'll talk about the AFC playoff picture in a second. But they dominated this game. This was a game the Chargers had to win. This was the Brandon Staley might get fired game where the Spanos has Chargers stopped. are done, man. Shut Herbert not? down. Herbert's got a um, he's gonna have an MRI on Monday <laughs> for what might be a broken right thumb. I thought it was Whoa. index fingers. So, Tom? Or index fingers, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Here, before you go on, let me set this up. So, they scored seven points against the Broncos, the revitalized defense Breach talked about. They scored six points last week against the Patriots in a 6 0 win, which is embarrassing. The week before that, they scored 10 points. They are not scoring points. Uh, Kellen Moore is, there's a reason he's not in Dallas. Go ahead. I mean, it is, you want to talk about exactly vindication for Mike McCarthy. They scored 38 points against the Lions in that wild shootout game at home. And they scored 30 against the Bears and 27 against the Jets back way back in October. They had a week five bye. I mean, they've been over they've been over 30 points three times this year. And they have been under 20 points, 20 points or less since their week five bye. So one, two, three, four, five, six times. Three times they've gone over 20 points. 20 points. You have Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. You signed, you brought in Kellen Moore to change how you were going to approach this thing. It's, it's inexcusable. Hold on. The defense sucks too, by the way. Sure. That's Brandon Staley's baby. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Brandon Staley's got to go. I think what this is. Hey, sorry. Let me ask you this though, because this, no, I was no, shocked. Keep interrupting me. It doesn't matter me. I know I'm, I'm, I'm reverse Brinson in you. Then I get mad when you do it to me, but I, yep. I'm more handsome, so it's okay. But I, I want to get to this point. We know it's true. Come on. Uh, <laughs> is it creepier when I whisper? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree about Brandon Staley being in serious trouble, and I've tried to defend him. They, he has a winning record. That's the only point I want to make. It's not like he's he's 10 games under 500 in three, almost three years. Well, that's fine, but I think this game in particular, where the Broncos started this season – as bad as you can start a season. 0 and 3 in that third loss. 0, 0 and 3, or excuse me, 1 and actually let's back this up. 1 and 5. The third loss, you go 0 and 3, you give up 70 points to the Dolphins. The win in week four, everyone's like, oh, I thought they were trying to tank, maybe. Like Sean Payton was like up to something. You barely beat the Bears. You lose to the Jets at home who don't have Aaron Rodgers, you lose to the Chiefs, who only scored 19 points, and then they have ripped off, with the exception of that Texans game, where they were in it and had a chance to win it. Um, you know, they're 6-1 in their last seven games. They are right there in the division somehow. They are right there. and They, they were swept by the Chiefs. Or no, they, they, they split with the Chiefs, excuse me. So, like, they have a chance to win the division. It's not, it's not a great one. But the point being is this game is so reflexive of what the Chargers screwed up this offseason. By that? all accounts, Sean Payton wanted the Chargers job. Now he wouldn't, he didn't come out and say it. You, know, you can't do that, even though he came out and dragged Nathaniel Wait, Hackett. I'm sorry to put it. What by all accounts, but he didn't say it. So what are the accounts that we're talking about? There, there were rumors, okay. all the rumors leading up in the in, during the season and then the offseason where that Sean Payton wanted the Chargers job. But the Chargers would have to move on from Brandon Staley to go get Sean Payton, and that would cost a lot of money, and the team is cheap, and they don't want to fire Brandon Staley. Well, draft and, picks, too. And draft picks. And to, well, but look, Tom Telesco didn't want to go get Sean Payton because that would mean he'd be in a power struggle with the new head coach who you know he didn't hire and the ownership hired. Whatever. The point being is that Sean Payton really wanted to coach Justin Herbert. 
and to coach the Chargers. Instead, he ended up coaching the Broncos, and he put the final nail in the Broncos' coffin by beating them 24-7, and he's got this team at 7-6 and six with a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. The Broncos have a 50, they're fit, the coin flip, 50% chance to make the playoffs. I'll just say real quick, one sequence in this game that really kind of epitomized both team seasons was Russell Wilson throwing interception on Denver's first play from scrimmage. Boom. That's not good. Uh, the Chargers <laughs> go out. They probably get the ball at the at Denver's 13-yard line. That's easy points. Just take the freaking points. Uh, the, the Broncos defense holds them three and out. It's now fourth and three. From the six-yard line, your team scored six points last week. If the Broncos are gifting you points, just take them. Take the field goal. Staley didn't do it. He went for it on fourth and three. Chargers get stopped, obviously, because it's Staley making a fourth down call, and every call blows up in his face all the time. And then, boom, uh, two possessions later, the Broncos defense got the ball back on interception. Same situation, except Broncos are on offense. They go down, score a touchdown, game over. They're, they're uh, at the Lions. Have the Patriots and Chargers at home, and then they're at the Raiders. I think there's a really good chance if they if they get one and three, lose the Lions, win the last three, ninety three percent chance to make the playoffs. Uh, most likely is a wild card, ten percent chance according to the upshot to host a wild card game. Obviously, if they go four and to close out, they're going to get in the playoffs. All right, this well, team talk, is this team's good. Let's talk about the AFC North playoff picture, which includes those. Th- yeah, well, I want to talk AFC North because I'm worried about the Steelers. Uh, so do you really want the Steelers to make the playoffs? So let's, let's start there. They're currently the sixth seed. I do not. Uh, the seventh seed of the Colts. I think both those teams are not going to make it. The Browns are number five at eight and five. I think they're in. We talked about that uh, earlier. And then there's a glut of teams at seven and six. The aforementioned Denver Broncos, Breaches, Bengals, my Buffalo Bills, the Houston Texans who lost to the Jets today. Uh, so Breach. Who's in and who's out? It feels like the top four and a half teams are set. The top five teams are set for me. The division leaders currently in the Cleveland Browns at five. Uh, who are you swapping in and out and who, who are you leaning towards here at the end of week 14? And just, right. just, just, just before Breach makes his picks, I was going to point out, Upshot has the Jaguars at 84% chance to win the AFC South. So pretty good chance, but Trevor Lawrence is banged up, so no guarantee. Chiefs at 91% chance to win the AFC West. Ravens 87% to win that division and Dolphins at 92%. So I think to your point, Ryan, you can pretty safely lock in those four seeds. If you want to do this exercise and it comes down to seven teams battling for three spots. But are all seven teams really battling? Cause I don't think the Steelers are going to make it. So they're, they're out. out. They're well, out I mean, well, I mean, well, the other seven teams, the Browns are eight and five and the other six teams are seven and six. So yes, they are battling. The Steelers are out. No, in my playoff picture that Ryan asked me about, they are not battling. Will they are already out? They're done. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think the Steelers are out. I've, I've been Remember a month ago when I said the Browns are in, the Steelers are done. So this is the same exact feeling. Uh, who knows? Maybe they make it. I don't know. I don't want to. If, if they lose to the Colts, they're down to nine percent chance to make the playoffs. They're not. I don't want to throw Ryan's team under the bus like that. Anyway, here are my wild card teams. Talking, yes, go ahead. Browns, who I've been standing behind firmly. For over a month now, despite all their quarterback woes and becoming the eighth team since 1950 to win at least one game with four different quarterbacks, four different starting quarterbacks during the season. So I have the Browns in. I am out on the Texans. I think they're too banged up on offense. CJ Stroud and concussion protocol scares me. Uh, So I am not going to have them in. I am in on the Bills and Bengals. There, I said it. Browns, Bills, Bengals. I'm done. 
That I, so the, that is well, my playoff picture for the AFC. Well, right so now. for the for the for the Texans, I think it's really interesting because if they they're at forty one percent right now to make the playoffs, if they win this week at Tennessee, they're at fifty six percent chance to make the playoffs. If they lose twenty three percent, now what's very interesting to me is that we just saw Derek Carr come back after his second concussion this season and play the week after he suffered the concussion. We saw Brock Purdy do the same thing. We noted that breach. Remember when we were talking about that, that Purdy game in the, in the Niners, how the NFL hadn't let anybody come back from a same week or same you know, week of concussion, et cetera. They have changed. Like they have really eased back on that protocol process because guys are just coming back the week after and getting through concussion protocol. Now, maybe part of that is like the baseline stuff, but I, I do think that the Texans season may come down to whether or not they play CJ Stroud the week after he was placed in a concussion protocol and took a huge hit in a loss to the jets and whether or not you play him at Tennessee. And you know, look, there are some moral implications and, and, and long-term franchise management implications you have to think about when you when you put CJ Stroud back out there that quickly. I think that's a, it's only a medical decision. It's not like a you don't have an option in, in deciding whether you're going to play or not. Do you, so you, could just say, you could just say we're not playing him because he suffered a concussion. No, the, the medical staff has to clear No, him. I understand. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Point being is like, if he doesn't play, you can toss Houston out. I'll take Indy, Denver, and Buffalo. I this Yolo Gardner stuff I I can't get behind. It breaches out on Yolo Gardner that concerns me. Wait, what's India? Actually, I should probably take Cleveland instead of Andy, shouldn't I? They're eight and five. Oh, no, back on the deal. Browns bandwagon. Well, I mean, there's eight and five. They have an eighty-five percent chance to make it, and they play. Yeah, why wouldn't you take them? The Bears. Yeah, Bears, Texans, Jets, and Bengals. Even if they lose, yeah, if they, like, if they win. Brenton, stop looking at the percentages, and you got to say what you think is going to happen. Yeah, You're being okay. brainwashed by the upshot. No, I'm just looking at the schedule to see, like, who they've. Use I your mean, brain. They're going to win. They're not going to go 0-4. Okay, you're Fair talking enough. yourself now, because me and Breach are on the Browns bandwagon. Yeah, I think you got to put the Browns at this point. Um, okay. So, look, close the upshot and use your brain for this last one, because the upshot <laughs> is rotting your brain. That's what Breach is trying to tell you. I'm going Browns. Bills again. Everyone's on the bill. It's finally. I picked him to win the Doesn't, Super Bowl. As you, Rich noted, week thirteen, you were off the Bills. You left. You've been dragging them for like two years now. I'm not you know, going to gaslit. Everyone knows why because Sean McDermott straight up Heisman to you at the combine. You're like, hey, Sean, I went to win Mary too. He's like, I don't have time for you, son. Not going to be gaslit. You, you are. Switching. I'm not gaslit. I'm telling everybody why you don't Brenton, like the Bills. Who's your final AFC wildcard team? Um, the Broncos. Ooh. Broncos, That's- Bills, and Browns beats Bears and Battlestar Galactica. All right. NFC. Last, lastly, Let's do the NFC. And appropriately, we've done the NFC playoffs earlier, as in, in the course of our conversation. So we're going to. I don't really uh, think we did. Look, man, Debo is in a in a precarious place. I'm not. Let's take play. thirty seconds each and name our wild card teams. Yeah, right, you go first. Playoff picture. Thirty seconds, Brinson. Go. You go first, Breach. Ah, I knew you were going to do that. So I was prepared. Uh, uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say the God, the Eagles schedule. Do you think the Niners get in? 
I think the Cowboys are a much better team than the Eagles. But based on the schedule down the stretch, I'm going to give the division to Philly. And for the Cowboys in the fifth wild card, the Packers in the sixth and the Rams in the seventh. Boom, my 30 seconds are up. Turn my mic off. So uh, Joe Musso is making a case. He was doing this earlier today for the the Col- the, uh, the Colts, the uh, Bears, who are playing actually some pretty inspired football. They're five and eight. They're in the they're on the they're Look at it. <laughs> hey, Debo, click that. Click the Chicago. Click just click that Chicago uh, team name. Worth here. noting, and, uh, our number twelve down there, five and eight, and we can scroll down and we can look at the schedule real quick. Uh, they have one two in a row against the Vikings and the and the Lions. The defense, by the way. Uh, I believe eight weeks ago, you look at how the, We're the, on the 30 second shot clock. So let's go We're talking about Get. for your boy Musso, man. 30 seconds. Let's go. No, no this is Make not easy. This is bear's talk. They have, they hired Phil snow, the former Panthers defensive coordinator as a senior advisor. And the defense has been way better in EPA um, uh, takeaways. Awesome against the lions. Look at it. I mean, 24, 13, 31 against the lions, of course, 10 and then 13 again. They get at the Browns, Cardinals and Falcons at home, and at the Packers. If, as Joseph J. Musso suggests, they win those first three games, if they win out, they're at like 50% to make it. Do the Bears okay. make the playoffs? No, but I, I agree they need to win out to, to be in that conversation. Yes. All right. So let's get they win in Cleveland on Sunday in week 15. I'll entertain the discussion. You'll yeah. you'll you'll allow it to be brought up in. in we will we will we will we will bring Musso back into the chat. We'll we'll let Musso bring Musso onto the pod and have him discuss the Bears making the playoffs. But I will say it's it's a, it's a pleasure to watch the Bears when they're playing well. So Musso doesn't have to act like a Debo and cry on his team. Uh, gets. By, by the way, the, the NFC South is. Are you ready for the contraction talk again? This. Uh, no, no. This give, give us your playoff teams in the NFC. Okay. Um, I think Philly will get. I think San Francisco gets one team, one seed. Philly is a two seed. Dallas three. Obviously, whoever wins the NFC South, I think it's a slight. It's either Tampa or Atlanta. Very close edge. I was sort of break that down for CBSSports.com earlier tonight. You can read it on the website. Philly at five, and then I think I've got. I think I'm going to just keep rolling with Green Bay and the Rams. Green Bay and the Rams. I think the Vikings are the odd, odd team out. I don't hate that. Uh, it's not going to be the Saints. The Saints, I, I can't get over Derek Carr being a professional football player. Desmond Ritter continues to struggle with turnovers. Reach, we didn't talk about this team last, but the last time they they played, uh, who'd they play today and lose to? Who? who the Falcons play today? The Buc- they lost to the Buccaneers. Okay, don't l- let me just say this. Three red zone turnovers in the first matchup. Three anti-red zone turnovers this week by Des Ritter. It's a recurring theme. We got to figure it out. But I agree. I think Brinson's, uh, teams at the bottom of the playoffs are the ones. Well, uh, and, and let's not forget, Justin Jefferson came back from a long stint on IR, suffered a chest injury, was taken to the hospital. It really sucks. I mean, just well, like to, I think more importantly than that, Josh Jobs got benched for Nick Mullins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they scored three so. points. So the the Rams, the Rams are interesting here because they are have the you know they 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 lost. I mean, look, you beat the Ravens and it's a whole different ball game. They're seven and six and and in in the playoffs as it going into Monday night. Um, they have the Commanders at home, the Saints at home. They're at the Giants, and then they're at the 49ers in Week 18 with what looks like a pretty decent chance because of the double tiebreaker San Fran has over Dallas and Philly that San Fran could sit everybody in Week 18. There it is. So the Rams, 
I think I think I think the Rams have a decent chance to win out, go four and zero, and make the playoffs. And I would prefer them to to Minnesota. Yeah, I don't think Minnesota is going to do it. I think it's going to be the 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 Rams. I agree with that. Uh, Gino didn't play today, but Drew Lock Drew Lock had an inspired effort. wasn't enough against an upstart San Francisco team, so they got to get Gino back on the field to sort that out. It might be too little, too late. Uh, obviously, All right. I, well, obviously this would change too if like the Giants beat the Packers on Monday night. All right, ten seconds breach breach VP. Brandon Aubrey. Oh, you took my guy. Okay. Setting NFL records. Of course, mine's a kicker. Multiple field goals. First person in history at multiple field goals of 59 yards or more. Longest field goal ever in the first quarter of a game. My God. Brandon Aubrey is crushing it. He might move up to number one of my kicker rankings this offseason. That is how much he's crushing it. Brent, you want me to go? Or are you ready? <laughs> uh, I can't even say what I was laughing about. Um, he's tackling like a drunk hyena. <laughs> I know what I'm. Uh, I can go if you yeah, want. Yeah, go ahead if you're ready. Yeah. Uh, Breach, you are no longer the vice president of the Bengals fan club. Shout out to Jim Breach because you didn't take Jake Browning, arguably the best quarterback on the Bengals roster right now, healthy or otherwise. I'll just leave it at that. So great showing by Jake Browning. Overcame a crippling hand injury to get back on the field after you get uh, an IV and drink a, a cup of water. Uh, he told the kids to drink more water after the game. Shout out to Jake Brown. A huge win. That team breach, like it or not, you love it. They're going to the playoffs. All right, Brent, where do you go? I think you could go Justin Fields. Ran 12 times for a touchdown. Threw another touchdown pass. Um, you could go Lamar Jackson. You could go uh, Tyquan Wallace. A lot of guys. You could go Derek Carr. I mean, heroically suited up despite all those injuries. But I'm going to go with a team that isn't really even in the playoff race. Zach Wilson. No. He got accused of refusing to go back out as a, as the starter and just dragged by everybody. And he comes out and goes 27 to 36 for 300 yards and two touchdowns, hanging it to Garrett Wilson. And uh, the running game couldn't get going against the Texans, and the Jets went 30 to 6. And I have people kind of questioning, is Zach Wilson going to be sticking around New York a little bit longer than they thought after this game? No one questioned that. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> great it's choice it's for it's him. Glad he had a big game. You want to make, make a bet? What What am I betting? Whether he lives in New York after this season? They got the Dolphins, Commanders, Browns, and Patriots to close. If they win three of those games, I think Zach Wilson is on the roster next year. <laughs> okay. I, I wish him the best of luck. I'm glad he played well. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback. Zach Wilson on the Jets longer than Mac Jones on the Patriots. Yes or no? Uh, that's a good bet. We'll revisit it in the offseason. <laughs> Shut up, Breach, you jerk. All right. That's, it. that's a wrap on week 14. Breach, Godspeed that you get back your electricity and you can uh, not have to live in a hotel. You doing okay? You anything? Get all my free waters. Got his free waters. Okay, he's set to go. You know, he's, so you know, he's like staying on a different floor than his family. Uh, they, they, I, I'm surprised you didn't realize this, Brinson. That's his family requested that. So let's be. Real. <laughs> I was he's like, "Reaching next hotel. door." He's like, "No." It's like, "Are you on the same floor?" No. Are you in the same hotel? No. <laughs> he's in the next building. Over. All right, that's it. Man. Breach. Go see your family. Week 14 from the Super Friends is in the books. But don't worry, you can check out the Pick Six podcast all week on the YouTube at NFL and CBS or wherever you get your audio podcast. In the meantime, thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. Thanks to Wilbur Brinson. Johnny Breach and Adebo. Thanks, Adebo, for letting us go longer, right? Got called out of the. Yeah, 
lot to say. Oh, did you just drop a GD? <laughs> no, I just said I just said a oh, lot to talk about. But uh, thanks, Debo. Should he drop a GD? No comment. No comment. <laughs> All right, see you guys next week. Bye bye.